Sunday show. Andrew Dowdy here on the High Motor Podcast. If you missed this week's Sunday episode a few days ago, Chase Kitty and I talked about college football fan bases that you might sincerely be jealous of. And then coming this Sunday, so coming up this Sunday, May 10th, Chase and I will be back with the other side of that. Which fan bases do you look at and say, my God, I'm glad I'm not a blank fan? Go deeper than your rival. You hate your rival because they're your rival. But which fan base do you look at and say, God, I'm glad I'm not a Michigan fan. I'm glad I'm not a USC fan. Which college football programs are you glad you're not a fan of? On Twitter, at High Motor Pod, curious your thoughts on that. Which fan bases are you glad that you're not a part of? We'll each give a few on Sunday, but what do you have? At High Motor Pod. A little bit of a different show this week, but I think you're going to enjoy this. Longtime indoor football head coach, Sean Liotta, on the High Motor Podcast. I worked with Sean for about a year or so on a project uh, three, four years back. It was the first fan-run football team, and Sean always had some really good stories for us, some, some damn good stories of his time in indoor football, kind of like minor league baseball stories. So I asked if he'd come on the show this week as something a little bit different for you, and Sean, for those who don't know indoor football, can you paint us a brief picture of what this sport is? What is the underbelly, I guess, of indoor football? Well, you know, certainly I was fortunate, I guess you could say, to be involved with that with professional indoor football for nine seasons as a head coach. And I've seen a lot of wild, wacky, um, just just unreal things that, that you wouldn't expect would be involved in a professional football league. But um, certainly you hit the nail on the head in terms of the, the underbelly of professional football. It, it is professional. Guys are getting paid. Um, the players are really good. So, so you know, I just want to preface it by saying that, you know, the, the players and the coaches are, are, are really good and really professional and trying to, you know, uh, make it to the next level. We had NFL guys, CFL guys, major division one, all Americans, just really good football players. And that, that was a great experience. You know, let me just say that, but in terms of the, the business models of it and you know, how it's operated, it certainly is the, the underbelly of professional football. You're talking about um, long bus rides. I'll get into a few of those different, different stories for you. Um, the hotels, you mentioned that, you know, part of the funny thing, you know, with the hotels is, you know, it would be up to the, the visiting team to, to set those hotels up for you typically. And, um, you know, let's just say that you can put in four star, you know, accommodations. I've, I've been in every weird hotel you can imagine. Um, it's amazing. I didn't catch something and bring it back with me home anytime, but, you know, I'd always make sure, you know, you never would put the bags on the floor you know, or anything like that when you go into these places. But, um, you know, there's a lot of stories with those as well. But, you know, travel, I, I'll just get into travel for you because this will give you an idea. My first game in indoor football, our team was based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
we had to take a, I want to say it was a 18 or 19 hour bus ride to Tupelo, Mississippi. And it's no offense to anybody from Tupelo, Mississippi. I'm sure it's a fine place, but it certainly wasn't a place that we wanted to spend 19 hours on a bus with no air conditioning to go down there and, and play. So it, it was okay when we were in the north as we started to get further into the south. You know, the air went. Um, we didn't have any air. You know, there's no windows on buses. And, you know, that should have told me something with this whole indoor football thing. It should have been a a uh, beacon that told me maybe this is what you're, what you're in for. Uh, what really set the tone was when we got there, the transmission blew on the bus. So they had to work something out luckily to get us back up to Pennsylvania after, after the, the football game. Um, but you know, that, that's just, um, that's, that's probably a mild story. Um, another one would have been, uh, 2008, um, our owners and our owners were great. Don't get me wrong, but it's just it's the way the business model is. It's the way you think. You know, you got to budgets are tight. You know, it's it's on a shoestring. Um, I remember this. So so our owners bought a bus that was used by a minor league hockey team in Jamestown, New York, called the Jamestown Vikings. So they told us we've got a bus coming and we've got a driver. We bought it. The bus shows up. It's we're going to Canton, Ohio from Erie, which luckily is only about a two hour ride. So the bus shows up and it's all decorated Jamestown Vikings. It's got their logos on the side and everything. Well, man, this bus might not be too bad. Well, you know, they say don't judge a book by its cover. When you got in the bus, it was the bus off, um, what was the Will Ferrell movie? Um, Semi-Pro. It was the bus off Semi-Pro, basically. Wood grain seats, straight out of the 70s like like unreal now what made it worse this jamestown hockey team they hadn't paid their players i guess for the last couple months of their season they were a minor league hockey team so i guess the last game of the year the players all trashed the bus and they pissed in pizza boxes and and you know everything else so the whole bus smelled of urine like the entire bus smelled of urine because when they all got drunk on the way home on their last game and they literally urinated all over the place and there were still used pizza boxes because you know that's another minor league if you've ever been involved in minor league sports you have every pizza i've eaten every pizza chain you could ever imagine in the history of pizza places because every team for the post-game meal they again have to provide you with a post-game meal what do they give you pizzas they give it to you to take on the bus it's standard minor league you know fare so sure enough, there's used pizza boxes still on the bus. We're going to, man, it smells like piss on here. There's pizza boxes everywhere. This is crazy. So we were like, it's a short drive, whatever. We're going to get up and start going. So we get on the bus and the driver takes us over. We're assuming that this bus driver works for a company or something like that, right? So he takes us. We get there and, you know, we're, we're warming up. We're playing this team in Canton, Ohio called the Legends. And um, we look over. And we see our bus driver, he's got a beer in each hand, a draft beer in each hand, and he's hammered. So my one equipment man is like, Coach, the bus driver's up there, and he, he's killing beers. Like, like I'm like, ah, maybe he just had one or something. I don't know if not. So I see him drink about four beers. So 
fucking our owner. So what the hell is this guy doing? Like, you need to go talk to this guy. Like, we're going to have to leave here because we're not staying overnight now. When the game's over in two hours, we'll turn around and go back to Erie. So I said, what the hell kind of bus company is this? He's like, oh, no, it's just some guy who came with the bus. The guy came with the bus. He wasn't even like a driver. Like, like he was a part of the bus. Like, he was part of the deal. Like, oh, you buy the bus so you get the driver. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like Coach USA or something. So that's one story for you. Um, Another story involves, believe it or not, even even after that happened, we got on the same bus with the same driver. So we're driving to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on the turnpike. The bus breaks down, which is a miracle. It made it that far anyway. So we get about halfway to the turnpike. It breaks down. He gets out what he calls his toolkit to see if he can go fix something. I kid you not. It was a coffee can that he kept under the seat with a screwdriver and a hammer and something else in it. So I'm flipping out. You know what I mean? I'm calling our owner up because our owners never like come on the bus back then. It was just so, so I'm calling him up like, like, we need something done. Like, we're stuck on the turnpike. We need to get to Harrisburg to go play this game in like three hours. And the game's in like three hours. That's the best part about it. So what they worked out, the Harrisburg team sent their bus to come get us. But their bus could only get us at like a rest stop that was off the turnpike. So what they did, believe it or not, the state police escorted our guys like two or three guys at a time down the turnpike. They took us about 30 miles down the turnpike. And dropped our guys the rest off. Now, we had some guys, they were not trying to get in the police car. Let's just say they've had some bad run-ins with police in the past. They were like a little hesitant, you know, to go ahead and get in the police car, but they didn't have much of a choice. So they they, they had to go ahead and get in, the, you know, they had to go get in the police car anyway. But, um, you know, it, it's just, and that was another one. So the characters you get. Now, now, I was strict on my discipline. Like, we didn't play any games. So, like, if you did anything outside of our code of conduct, I'd just get rid of you. Like, that's how we would do it. Like, so if you were outside the lines anyway, I didn't tolerate that because it's not good for the sponsors. It's not good. But believe me, we had to do that to a lot of guys now. Now, I've had guys on my team that have been convicted drug dealers big time. Um, we had one, we had a defensive back get arrested on suspicion of murder on his way to a playoff game before. Um, we had another guy had a, at the end of the night, you know, or at the end of the season, they have to go through and they the players stay in hotels. So, so like during the season, our players would get housed in various hotels. Well, what, part of the deal when the players stay in the hotels, and I think it's a mistake on the hotel part, but that's up to them. They don't do maid service. So they, they don't send maid service in there to clean the guys' rooms when they're living there, like, for the season. Well, at the end of the season, the maids go in and they start to clean out the rooms. So you can only imagine the things that get found in these rooms over the course of the season. Probably the one that takes the, the cake, though, is I get a call from our general manager. I'll never forget it. He says, well, we got a problem with so-and-so's room. I said, okay, what's the problem? He says, well, the maids flipped the bed over, you know, you know, turned the bed over, and there was a, a sawed-off shotgun and a rifle with a bayonet on the end of it. And I said, I said hey, maybe he was in the National Guard or something. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, you know, so he's like, you want me to throw it away? Or I said, no, I want you to call the police. I don't want you to throw it away. You know, so that's the kind of stuff you would 
you know, you would deal literally. Literally, he asked me. Literally, he said, "You want me to throw that away, or you want me to call?" I said, "Call the police. Don't touch that." You know. So anyway, they ended up being stolen guns from from Jacksonville, Florida, believe it or not, and they were up in Pennsylvania. So I mean, I. You don't know how some of this stuff happens. What type of player are we talking about here? I mean, yeah, the player I'm referencing there, he was in the NFL. Yeah, so so I can give you another example just of where some of these guys' heads are at, right? Like, so one time we had a guy, he went AWOL for like two days. We had no clue where he was. He, he shows up to practice, and and I'm like, where have you been? And he's pointing at his feet. And I'm like, what, what, what? I mean, he keeps pointing at his feet. Like, he's not saying nothing. But he's pointing at his feet and he's wearing like slippers. And I said, well, okay, what, what's, what are you, I'm asking you where you've been, you point at your feet. He said, don't you know what those are? Those are jail slippers. He goes, I've been locked up the last two days. I said, well, I don't know what jail slippers are, but I can tell you what, you better find your ticket back home because this is your, you're done after the day. So, you know, you got a day to get out of the hotel and get up out of here. So, so that's just, that's the reality of some of the guys. Look, these guys are so talented. There's reasons why they're playing indoor football a lot of times. Some of these really talented guys because of stupid decisions like like I just mentioned. Because we don't tolerate it, but surely those leagues don't tolerate it. And there's so many guys out there that can play that gets them off of a radar really, really fast. Um, but those are the ones you remember. You know, but we've had good guys. You know, honestly – I mean, we we brought so many good, high quality people like to the city of Erie, like they're good citizens and teachers and coaches. And I've I've had probably an indoor football. Another thing I'm proud of, I've probably had seven or eight guys that are coaching college football that are either maybe head coaches right now in college football actually that played for me. Um, just just good guys. You know, there's there's believe me, there's really good guys too. But there's characters that you just and it's not that they weren't good guys; they just were. They're characters, man. It, it, it went with the it went with the territory um, of just this wild and wacky world. You never knew what was what was going to come at you next. Um, you know, it was just uh, you know, it, it, it really was a really unique um, unique type of type of situation. Why are most of these guys playing? I mean, are they, do they are they thinking, hey, I'm I'm gonna get you know my CFL NFL shot? Are they just playing for for the paycheck? Actually, maybe it's a, a paycheck question for you. So are they just looking for the three hundred dollars a week? Yeah, you know what? There's 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 all there's there's all different realms of it. So there's the guys that are playing for the three hundred dollars a week that they're trying to make a living on having, you know, 250 or 300 or 500 or whatever they're getting paid, you know, they're trying to make money um, doing that. You know, you have other guys who are trying to get film. And, that, and that's really what the league's for, you know. And we had guys that came and played for us and ended up, you know, going to NFL training camps. Or, you know, we had one guy play for us in Erie who ended up being an MVP in the CFL, Javon Johnson. So, so I mean, we had – you know, there were good players. Don't get me wrong. There were there were really good players, um, you know, that, that were a part of what we were doing and are a part of these leagues. And, well, probably another one, you know, you probably know of, just to give you another example of how all this kind of ties together. Um, you remember Jared Lorenzen, the hefty lefty? He played indoor football. He played indoor football. He played indoor football. We actually ended his career. We went down to play him in Lexington and actually broke his leg 
um, and actually ended his career and, and bless his soul. You know, Jared was a great guy, but Jared was playing, was trying to play, and Jared was probably 400 and some pounds. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so why was he still playing? I don't know. He loves the game. You know, I guess he loved the game, wanted to, wanted to stay involved with the game, wanted to, you know, still be a part of it. Obviously, he had a Super Bowl ring with the Giants. You know, he had had his career. It wasn't like he was trying to, you know, go back up and do anything. And, and I think it's just, you know, I think guys want to hang on and they are getting paid. So it's not it's not semi-pro like a lot of these leagues that are up. And these guys are getting paid. They have insurance. Um, you know, they get meals. They get a place to stay. Um, you know, I mean, that's all. I think that's all part of the part of the draw. Too. Well, here's a meal story for you. So you want to talk about meals. So this was this was probably the worst meal I've ever had. Um, 2015, 2014, excuse me, 2014. We were going to play a team in Detroit, Michigan. And we get there. So so Detroit to Erie is about five and a half hours. I live in Pittsburgh, so I'm driving two hours to Erie to get on a bus to go drive five to Detroit. So it's about a seven-hour trip for me. So we get we, we leave in the morning. We're heading out. We're supposed to play this Detroit team on a Sunday matinee game, right? We get into Detroit. Most of these arenas also have ice hockey. You can watch this video online. There's a video of it. So they did a reality show. That's, that's, if anybody wants to see this in, in reality, they can go on Amazon. Amazon Prime and watch Reload Explode. There's two seasons worth of it. They had a documentary crew follow us around. They did a reality show for two seasons. It was pretty good. But um, you'll see this one on there. We get to Detroit. All the, all you see is ice, bare ice. Now, typically, I know how, how long it takes them to lay this turf down. The turf comes out in five-yard rolls. If you've ever seen how indoor turf looks. They have to get a forklift with a thing on it to be able to move it because they're so heavy. One of these five-yard things is so heavy, and it takes them. Our arena crew in Erie were 100% professionals. It would take them all night to do it. And our arena crew handles NBA D-League games, or it's called the D-League back then, OHL hockey games. I mean, in the same arena we were in, Connor McGregor was playing – you know, the D League was playing like, so it's, you know, they know what they're doing. It takes them a whole night to lay the turf out. We get to Detroit two hours before the game. They have one piece of turf laid down. So the rest of us all ice. I immediately said, this game isn't happening. Like, there's no way they're getting a turf out. So we're like, how are they going to get it down? They're using pallet jacks to try to drag these pieces of turf across the ice. And it looks like, you know, freaking frat trying to do it and it, it, it was the most comical thing so they're they're trying to beg with us to stay i'm like we're not staying here we're not like this is not going to get done there's no way they count up the pieces of turf they bought it from a team in fort wayne indiana they only sold them 30 yards of turf so they were short 20 yards of turf anyway so they were wondering if we could play on part ice and part turf and i'm absolutely not their second option was going to be 
that that was i'm not kidding you i'm i'm, I'm not making this up i'm, I'm being 100 you can watch the show it's on amazon prime watch you can see it on there it's called like one day in detroit so their next option is we could go to flint michigan which is an hour and a half away and play at midnight when some youth soccer leagues are done and we're like no we're not going to do that either so i said to our owner the league the league commissioners were there at this point i said do we get a forfeit if we win i mean do we get a forfeit if they can't play league, league says yes you would get a forfeit i said question number two do we all get paid our owner said yes you do i said let's go fellas we're heading back on the bus we're going to freaking uh golden corral so we rode five hours to eat at a golden corral in toledo we literally packed up for a football game, drove to Detroit, came back, ate at a Golden Corral in Toledo, and went home. We were gone for 14 hours or whatever. It was unreal. What happens with these teams, early on, you'll stay overnight. When their budgets are good and stuff, oh, yeah, we're going to stay overnight. You know, we stay overnight everywhere. But then as it starts to get a little more, it's like, well, as long as the game's like not six, six or seven hours away, we'll, we'll drive the day out and go so so i mean we drove to richmond virginia and played one time we got there half hour before kickoff we got caught in all traffic near washington i mean there's just so many i mean i got so many little stories like that i mean and then and then you're always fighting you know different things so i remember this one time we're going to play we were actually playing in richmond this was in 2010 we the bus shows up our guys start getting on the bus and, and how it works in these leagues, you have active players and inactive players. So you might have 25 guys on your roster, but only 20 suit up. But you have to let the league know and your opponent know the 20 who are actually active like 48 hours before the game. So we had just turned in the roster. Like it was the 48 hour deadline. We were we were going to Richmond, we're staying overnight, bus is leaving, and we're gonna be ready to roll. One of our best defensive backs shows up, and he's got his girlfriend with him. And he's like, yeah, coach, I'm not going to be able to go on the bus. And he hands me a doctor's note. He had some kind of groin surgery, like, that day. Didn't bother to tell anybody. He practiced the day before. They practiced the day before. Had some type of groin surgery on Friday, so he can't play. But I've already turned his name in on the roster. So I'm like, what are we going to do? We, 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 that means we're going to dress 19 guys. And he was one of our starting defensive backs. And if you know indoor football, that number 20, the 20 roster guys doesn't stretch real far. So I'm like, what are we going to do? So I said, here's what we do. I told our equipment manager, I said, go up in the hotel and wake up this player. I told him, go, go see if he's there. Tell him to come downstairs. So he goes and gets it. So I bring him down. Mind you, this guy doesn't think he's dressed. So he doesn't think he's getting a game check, nothing. I said, I got good news and bad news for you. He said, what's that, coach? I said, you're going to get to play in this game this week. He's happy as hell. It was like the first game he got to dress. He was a rookie, young guy. I said, here's the bad news. You're playing under this guy's name. So you're going to have to wear his jersey. I said, I can't have you take your helmet off the whole game. So I said, on the sideline, on the bench, you guys keep your helmet on literally the whole game. Like, I cannot allow you to take your helmet off. 
because if someone gets a picture of your sees you, they can say we used you know an illegal player. And I said, I'm not going to use you much. I said, and we really didn't use him much. He played on some special teams, maybe. I said, but if we got it, you got to keep your helmet. <laughs> he looked like an idiot because he's on the sideline. He's in the bench the whole game with his helmet on. You know, it's about 100 degrees in that arena. You know, and this guy got his helmet on the whole time. He's got another dude's name on the back of his shirt, which was probably the most humiliating thing to him. Did you ever have a case of where where somebody just didn't where somebody just didn't show up for the game? They just didn't oh, yeah. show up at all. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, we were flying to Columbus, Georgia. There were there were actually a couple games we flew. Like we flew one game we flew was Columbus, Georgia. It was actually in 2015. Um, we had two guys no show the plane. One guy no showed, and the other guy claimed he got in an accident or his car broke down, like on his way to the airport. And our flight was like four in the morning. And I knew that was going to get to be there for like four in the morning. I think the flight left for like 530. I told our owner when he booked him, I said, I guarantee you some of these guys are missing these flights. You're making them come to Pittsburgh because they weren't flying out of Erie. We were in Erie. They had to come from Erie to Pittsburgh. I said, this is going to be a recipe for disaster. Sure enough, we ended up with 18 guys down there and two plane tickets that, um, you know, two plane tickets that never got used. Um, but you know, yeah, that stuff, that kind of stuff would happen quite often. Um, but for the most part, like I said, those are the ones you remember. Those are the funny stories of it, but 90% of our guys were great guys. They were good players. They were great guys. They were great in the community. So I don't want to paint a picture and it's all just this, this, you know, this wild group of guys, and, you know, cause, cause we had just so many great guys and it was, it was a great experience for nine years doing that, but certainly, um, you see some funny stuff, man. You know, the guys that we, we laugh about it all the time, guys that were involved with it. And then my brother was my defense coordinator, so he and I would go back and forth all the time. You know, it was, it was a good time. It was, uh, you know, it certainly was an experience. I encourage anybody, seriously, if you want to laugh, go to Amazon Prime, go on, find it, reload, explode. You know, even, even helmet painting, like, this would all be frowned upon now. But, you know, back in 2008, you know, it's common indoor football teams to buy helmets off other teams that go defunct, you know, or turf. Like, like our turf here was not our own turf. You know, these turfs can cost $100,000 or more um, for the turf systems. Ours is from the Osceola Outlaws from Florida. So we played our games on it with a big old outlaw in the middle of the field for the longest time before they went and painted that over. But you'd see that in all these stadiums. You'd see you go play these places, and they'd have three or four names painted over. Um, they'd try to paint over them on this turf, and what happens is you can't really paint over these, these the logos on the field because they're stitched in. So, like, when they're originally done, the names are actually stitched into the turf with the different color, you know, fabric and stuff. So, you know, <laughs> you try to paint over them, and, you know, you see right through it anyway, you know, which is which is kind of funny. But, um, yeah, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. You'd see everybody, and it would be follow the bouncing turf. Yeah, they had that turf last year. Now they sold it to that team. Now that team had it. You know, it would just kind of, it would just kind of bounce around. And the helmets were the same way. So what I'm saying about the helmets is, you know, you'd take them to get painted. Now, you know, in order to get helmets properly reconditioned and painted, you, you'd get lawsuits like crazy for doing this now. But what they would do to save time, they would send them to like an auto body painting place to get painted, which is like a 
which would have been the face no no like you would literally probably get arrested for that today like you you go to jail for trying to put somebody in a helmet like that that was painted by a body shop um but but whatever happened we had this one particular batch of them and they were supposed to be white and something happened they come out like cream <laughs> so we had some helmets that were like white and some that were cream and luckily we had a trainer on staff that refused to allow any of our players to wear those ones that were painted by the body shop so we didn't have to wear those cream helmets so the owner wasted all that money on getting his you know getting his helmets painted and buying them from this other team because you know you can't once you paint a helmet like that you void the warranty and everything else you know i mean you can't you can't do that that was even back then let alone today um but yeah it was it was always um you know that that stuff was always interesting equipment making sure you know it's not exactly we have you know football equipment's not one size fits all and it's not like a lot of these indoor teams have a wide variety of different you know sizes and you know so we had to do a lot of uh, unconventional things trying to um, get guys equipment and then they would take advantage of that. I mean, I got many a call. I remember we had a local sports store in Erie. They had a deal. They said, look, if a guy comes into town and he needs a helmet, send him down and we'll get him a helmet and we'll send the bill to the team. But we got this gigantic bill for one time. Like, what the hell is all this, this bill for? These guys were going down there and getting gloves and wristbands and, and you know, they thought they were still after Division One college or whatever. You know, they, they went and helped themselves to, you know, multiple pairs of gloves and, and wristbands and, and everything. Here's the other rule you had to do back in the day. When you would go, when you check into a hotel, the most important thing to do is you have to tell them room service and phone service is cut off in all of those rooms. Like you may not get room service, you may not have make any collect calls or any phone calls from those rooms. Like can't happen. Been too long, man. So good to chat again. Uh, if you're not following Sean on Twitter at Sean Liotta online, huddle uh, no huddle no mercy dot com. Hey Sean, really appreciate the time. Uh, be well, my friend. Take care. Appreciate it. Thank you. Country roads take me home to the place.